Hey everyone, welcome to Americana Station Podcast. I'm excited to finally have Ben Delacour on the program today. Uh, I contacted him about being on the podcast right when I started it a little over a year ago, and um, we just uh, finally had our calendars line up, and uh, I got to have him on, um, which is perfect timing because he just got out of the studio. Uh, as you'll hear on the podcast, he was actually getting gearing up to get in the studio up in uh, Canada with his brother playing drums on the record, which is pretty exciting. But um, anyways, we uh, were finally able to make it line up. There is a video uh, that will be coming out uh, shortly. I was trying to get the video ready for the launch of this podcast, but unfortunately, um, being uh, your own manager and booking agent and social media expert and also trying to hold down other jobs while making a record because, uh, spoiler alert, I'm about to be going in the studio to record. Um, putting all those things together in a big old pot and uh, adding a podcast on top of it sometimes makes it hard to uh, get video content done in time. So uh, we will be releasing this because I wanted to get it out in February, um, even though today's the last day of February. Um I wanted to be able to get it out today and uh, and and actually have a podcast in February, even though <laughs> I waited the whole damn month before I got this out. Sorry about that, Ben. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna put it out today. We'll get the video up um, within the next couple of weeks. Um, my good friend Jeremy Rayo, who is an amazing photographer, he did all the photography for uh, East Nashville Blues for the record. So um, all the photos you see. Uh, in that CD uh, were done by Mr. Jeremy Rayo. So he's he's taken a stab at some videography, and uh, we did uh, Ben Delacour's uh, song, Company Town, which you'll hear at the end of this podcast, and uh, we'll get that out soon. So, other news. I'm very excited to announce that uh, I'll be in the studio March 8th uh, through the 14th, uh, with Wirebird Productions, that's Brett Ryan Stewart. Um, he just got nominated for a Norwegian Grammy for uh, Best Country Record. So uh, pretty excited about having uh, him on board as my producer. And uh, we're going to be going into his studio, the Sound Shelter, down in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, with the uh, Freetown Flyers will be my backing band, which is uh, three-fourths of the Rayo Brothers down in Lafayette, Louisiana, um, who I will be going on tour with later in the month. So much stuff going on in the month of March. Um, but uh, we'll be hitting the studio in about a week um, after this podcast hits. There will be an Indiegogo campaign that'll be uh, coinciding with uh, me being in the studio. So if you are interested, make sure you go to willpainharrison.com or uh, facebook.com slash willpainharrison. Or uh, you can also check out my Instagram at willpainharrison, P-A-Y-N-E. And uh, we'll have all the information on all those different sites for what's going on with uh, the record and how you can donate and get uh, special swanky rewards. Um, there will also be a lot of video content going up um, with new songs, um, special performances, and uh, in-studio stuff. So make sure you check that out and uh, give... Uh, some money to me so that I can make this record and uh, if you do that we're also going to be doing a special podcast I'm excited about this as well um, Stephen Dunn has from Pickin' and Percolatin uh, has uh, who's also on the last episode uh, 
generously uh, decided that he would interview me on my own podcast. So we're going to have a special limited edition Americana Station podcast for Indiegogo donors only where Stephen Dunn actually takes the reins and is host and uh, he interviews me about my project. So if you want to hear all about that, what's going on with my life um, and my new album, that will all take place uh, on a special limited edition Americana Station uh, for everyone who donates to the Indiegogo campaign. Um, what else is going on? I'm doing a tour with the Rayo brothers in um, late March. We'll be going to, let's see, well, the Freetown Flyers will be backing me up in Lafayette at the Pearl with Sarah Duga. Um, Sarah Duga is a great singer-songwriter down in Lafayette. She uh, has written some songs with um, Mr. Jim Lauderdale, uh, amongst others, up here in Nashville. She comes up here and writes, and uh, I met her through that, and she's a great singer and songwriter reminiscent of Dolly Parton she'll be uh, opening the show at the Pearl in Lafayette on uh, March 21st March 22nd I'll be in New Orleans at Chicky Wawa and that's going to kick off the Rayo Brothers and Will Payne Harrison tour then uh, let's see we'll be at the Well Coffee House here in Nashville Tennessee uh, with Fawn Larson on March 27th. The 28th will be at Barley's Pub in Knoxville. Uh, then the 29th, we will be at one of my favorite venues, Southgate, Southgate House Revival with Warwick and Lowell, um, right outside of Cincinnati in Newport, Kentucky. Uh, then we'll be at Healer with Stephen Dunn, my buddy, who's going to be uh, doing that podcast for the Indiegogo campaign will be with him in Indianapolis and then on the 31st we'll be with Heidi Buck from uh, here in Nashville she'll be uh, doing a hometown show in Chicago with us at the Elbow Room it's a busy month it's a really busy month and I'm really excited I also didn't mention I'll be at the all-star country all-star covered dish country jamboree on the 19th um, in New Orleans, which is one of the funnest shows that I've ever been a part of. Um, Nick Nace just did it. Um, and, uh, me and Fawn Larson did it, uh, last year around March. Yeah. And just had a blast. It's a lot of fun, uh, reminiscent of Honky Tonk Tuesday here in Nashville. Um, and I'll also be in Atlanta on March 16th. I also missed that one for Fiddler's Green. Um, so very busy month. I'm very excited about all these shows. I'm excited about getting in the studio. It's uh, not slowing down. It's only picking up. I'm doing some uh, gigs in California in May. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But it's time to talk about Ben Delacour. Uncle Boudreau went to Texas. Long before he crossed that Beaumont line He'd seen those dusty highways Rolling through the shadows of his mind What happens when the unstoppable force of our dreams meets the immovable object of reality? It's unclear, but Ben Delacour is hellbent on trying to find out. Raised in Brooklyn, Ben Delacour was playing New York City dive bars with his brother a full decade before he could legally drink. A high school dropout and former amateur boxer, he received his education by listening to his parents' record collection, full of everything from Bob Dylan to the Everly Brothers to Leonard Skinner, Jimi Hendrix, and Black Sabbath. 
At the tender age of 19, he spent a year in Havana training with members of the Cuban national boxing team before moving to London with his brother to revive their doom metal band, Dead Man's Root. They lived in a van and toured around Europe for several years until the band fell apart under the two-fisted attack of burnout and drunken brawls. And in 2008, Delacour returned to the States with a head full of softer bruised but no less intense acoustic songs. Following a short stint in Los Angeles where he released Under a Wasted Moon, which BBC Radio, Radio dubbed Brilliant, Delacour passed through New Orleans, fell in love, and decided to stay. Hell yeah, you did. In 2011, Ben Delacour released Ghost Light, which spotlighted his talent as a songwriter and received rave reviews in No Depression and other publications. His third album, Midnight in Havana, came out in 2016 on Flower Sack Cape Records and was met with critical acclaim from outlets like Redline Roots, Nashville Scene, No Depression, and the Huffington Post. The same year, he won a prestigious new folk competition, the 2016 Kerrville Folk Festival. In April of 2018, Ben Delacour released The High Cost of Living Strange. Uh, one of my favorite tracks on that record is uh, Uncle Boudreaux Went to Texas, which you can hear on the Americana Station podcast playlist on Spotify. Just look up Americana Station. Make sure you follow it and uh, listen to his track. It also happens to be the track in the background that you're listening to right now. But if you really want to dig into his lyrics, make sure you check out his uh, new album on Spotify, or even better, buy it on Bandcamp, iTunes, or go see him at a show and buy his record. Without further ado, though, here's Ben Delacour. I always did believe him. My daddy told me that he was full of shit. He said the closest Boudreaux ever got to Texas. Willie's greatest hits. The important thing is, how's my hair look? Is my hair look yeah, perfect? yeah. Okay, as long as it looks good. That's all that's that matters. I always wear a hat. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. That too, that's a good, yeah. you know. I feel like I can't, I can't wear hats. Like, I, I don't look good in any hat. Like, I've never found a hat that, like, I don't look like an idiot. Where? I have a really weird shaped head, so I do too. I'll look like a fucking asshole. Watch. <laughs> oh, for sure. I also have a huge. I have a huge like. It's not that my head is big. It just like I think it's like a Frankenstein head. You know, it just goes straight up at the top. It doesn't like get like smaller. Mine's really long but narrow. So huh. uh, I can only wear like hats that shape to your head. Uh, I bought a Stetson two fucking two hundred fucking dollars, and um, it. Just like, like I have this weird flat spot, and it wouldn't go over the flat spot. And so when it does, he saw it. It like started like bending up because it was oh, too wow. tight. Like, well, fuck. Could you at least sell it? Yeah, I could probably sell it. Yeah. I probably will. Like, I'm terrified to to even. It would be like I'm like, even if I could look okay in a hat, the thought of having something that costs so much that's not attached to your body all the time. <laughs> you can just put down on a bar stool, you know, and like, fuck, you're like, oh my God, that yeah. left it at a truck stop, you know. And What's funny is the two that I normally wear, one was 40 bucks uh, in Lafayette, actually, and then the other one I got on eBay for $10. That's, yeah, that, that way it's like, you know, it's, it's not the, the worst thing in the world if, if it walks out right, on you. Right, yeah. exactly. Like guitars, too. It's like, you don't want to spend like yeah. a shit ton of money and then accidentally reverse over smashes it or, yeah. yeah like 
<clears throat> I have this argument with a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people we both know who I'm just like, like oh yeah, I'm gonna spend so much money on guitars and yeah. it's like Man, if Billy Gibbons picked up a $40 nylon string and right. played it, he'd still sound like Billy Gibbons. Exactly. You know, like, it's, like, I really think the tone is, like, at least 80% comes out of your fingers. And, you know, and then yeah. you might think that you might play way better on a different guitar, but that's because you think it's so much better that you're relaxing and you're playing better. Yeah. You know, like, if, if you I gave someone that. a $400 guitar, like, yo, this is $10,000, 1965, you know, knockoff Martin, they'd be like... They'd be killing it, you know, yeah. and then you'd be like, yeah, this is like $400, yeah. you know. I bought it last year. It's brand new. Yeah, yeah. You know, like people would suddenly be like, oh, shit, I can't play this anymore. Yeah. Man, that, uh, that's so true because I have a $400 guitar and I have like a $3,000 guitar. And the difference between the two is very negligible, right? Yeah, very negligible. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's obvious. But it's only obvious because I play both the guitars so much. And you, yeah, and you're a guitar player, and you know, yeah. you know, it's like like bottles of wine, right? Like a, right. the difference between a a two dollar bottle and a ten dollar bottle is huge. Yeah. And a ten dollar bottle in like a twenty or even ten and fifty is not that big. Right. And then a fifty dollar bottle and a five hundred dollar bottle, unless you're like a sommelier or some kind of real kind, yeah. you know, like you you can't even you know it's like a real hard. Uh, cliff of diminishing returns i think once you're talking yeah. about you know what i mean like once you're That's talking and getting up there in numbers you're just buying it to be i feel that way about whiskey too yeah like honestly they'll um, give you a hangover yeah you know? yeah i mean it's really cheap and then like you know somewhere in that middle range of under a hundred dollars i'm not gonna taste yeah under ten dollars sometimes you can yeah. get a good ten dollar whiskey that um single barrel uh evan williams man Evan Williams, Nick Nace loves Evan Williams. Does like, he really? Always, always like any dude. Anytime yeah. you see him, just be like, "Hey, where's Evan Williams?" And he'll pull out a little, a little flask of like the Green Label. He always has it on him. Like every time, the Green Label is great, and the White yeah. Label. Yeah, yeah, they're all good. Yeah. He was just on the podcast. Was, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. saw the, the. I love Nick. He, we were at Hockey uh, Talk Tuesday, and I bought him a, a tequila shot. We all just shot some tequila. But. uh yeah, I was just kind of rolling this stuff, just in case we said anything cool. But we can. Yeah, we can talk. Shit. Yeah, we we uh, integrate the part where we're talking shit about gear nerds. Yeah, I always like to have that. You know, that's an important. Yeah, it's an important part. Yeah, I used to be a gear nerd, honestly, um, and then I started, like, kind of like you said, like I'd play like a Mexican telly, and I'm like, why am why am I spending four grand on a Nash telly? This yeah. Mexican telly is fine, you know? Yeah, like, it's it's kind of... I had this opportunity to go do this thing in Blackbird Studio, like, a month ago. And they were just like, hey, try these guitars. And one of them was a 1926 Martin. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, fuck, like a, like a parlor. Yeah. And I used it, and it was awesome. I was thinking, like, you know, Robert Johnson was walking around when this guitar was made, you know? Yeah. But, like... You know that guitar is probably like ten thousand dollars. I'm playing. You know my guitars are like an Epiphone. It's yeah. not, not definitely less than a thousand bucks. And I'm like, it's not that big of a difference. You know, it's yeah. really not. Like you know, what you could do with that money that you spent. You could record so many records. <laughs> like for fourteen thousand dollars, you could, you know, quit your job and just tour for like five fucking years off that. You know, if you're yeah. smart, like I thought you were going to buy a. A guitar you know it seems silly that someone me. could steal 
Yeah, a guitar is not a song. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, I do love my bourgeois though, um, but it was one of those things where I was in the studio. I was doing some demos, and um, the guy who had the studio had a bourgeois, and it was literally the best sounding guitar I've ever played. You're you're from up northeast, right? Yeah, for New York. New York. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's up in Maine. Is where this guy builds these. He only builds like twenty a year. Okay. And like hand, okay, that's hand, awesome. Yeah, hand makes them, and I've never played a nicer guitar in my life. I mean, those those like small batch handmade guitars are, you know, yeah. I mean, I, there's something like intangible about those. Yeah. But you know, even a five thousand dollar Martin, they're not hand making twenty of those a year. Right. You know? If if they threw that, if that guitar got burned or thrown away or lost or whatever i would i definitely would just go buy it i have an art and luthery as a backup yeah 400 bucks i just go buy another one yeah you know those those are good like there's a lot of good yeah people that people you know i mean if if it makes you feel like you're writing better songs or then you know but like cocaine will also make you feel like you're writing better songs (laughs) it's a lot cheaper than you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny um so you you're on the road this coming month in February, um, which is actually when this would be releasing. You're heading up to Michigan and Wisconsin. I'm yeah. I'm well. I'm I'm going up to to Winnipeg to make a record. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, with this guy Scott Nolan, who's awesome dude. He actually uh, he was like the producer. Like, I've always produced my own records, and I've never you know worked with a producer before. But he's we're gonna produce it, this one together and. Uh, I just really like. He's a great songwriter. He wrote "Bad Liver and a Broken Heart." Yeah, yeah, not the Tom Waits one, but the Hayes Carl one. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And then on the way back down, I'm gonna be playing. Yeah. How long uh, are you in the studio? We've got ten days, ten days, but I feel like we're gonna do it in less. The like, same band that you've been recording with? No, or? totally different. All Canadian, uh, all Winnipeg guys. Um, Although I'm flying my brother out to play drums, we were we played together in like metal bands and stuff like that since we were like 12 years old. So um, we haven't made a record together since like we were 20 or something, yeah. you know. And so uh, I'm gonna use yeah all Winnipeg guys. My regular fiddle player will overdub when we when we get back to town, um, Billy Contreras. But but uh, other than that, it's all Winnipeg. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a you know, it'll be my apology tour. You know, like, sorry, sorry, I didn't vote for him. Sorry, sorry, we're not all like we're not. Or, or how they say in Canada, story. Story. Um, you were saying before we started rolling that you, you somehow got a some something from Canada. Some sort yeah, of I got a grant or... from uh, the Manitoba Film and Music Commission, which is. I looked into it. Scott Scott mentioned he's like, you know, I think they give grants to Americans, and they have a, a like an out of province grant, but they they use out of provinces in like anywhere that's outside of the province of Manitoba. So like it could be Norway, yeah, or it could be the United States, <clears throat> and uh, they give out a few of those a year. And so I just put this, you know, I never wrote a grant i've never went to college or anything but i was like well you know i'm going to prove it to myself that i can do this you know write a grant proposal so i i just kind of it was i will never do it again you know it was a fucking nightmare but uh 
but I, I did it. And I was like, when I send it off, I was like, even if I don't get this grant, I'm proud of myself that I could even, you know, do something like the, that I feel like is so beyond my level of intelligence, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it turns out I, I got it. So it's awesome. So it's, uh, that's great. I've never written a grant. I wouldn't even know where to start. Me either. But you know, it's awesome as we live in the age of, uh, the Googles, you know, it really is like, I was like Googling, like, doo, 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 like, you know, my two index finger typing, like how to write a grant, you know, <laughs> like it was, and they were super helpful. The people up there, like I called them a few times and the, the people in charge of the grant thing were like, took my calls and they were like, well, here's what I recommend for this. And, you know, I was like, this is awesome. They actually want, you know, we don't have anything like that here. Yeah. Well, anything well, there's no grant here in, in the united states for people who are making you know you get the macarthur genius grant that's about it you know they yeah. give that to like you know cormac mccarthy or rhiannon giddens those kind of people they don't give it to people like like us that's crazy um i've met a couple of like australians that have been given grants to come to the united states to really music but by the australian by the, yeah, yeah by sure the australians but yeah not here no, they're, they're uh, like, if, if anyone knows, please yeah, email yeah. me. <laughs> me too. Yeah. They're like, oh, you want to be an artist? Go fuck yourself. Basically, you know? yeah. What does that add to our GDP? <laughs> that's because that's all that matters now. You know, that's the, how we determine our worth is how do we contribute to the GDP and how do we, you know. Yeah. That's the song right there. So we're worthless or priceless. It's the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, so how many songs do you have on lock for the album? Well, this is kind of, I've never written so many songs for an album before. Normally I'm like, oh, I got eight or 10 songs. Go make a record. But yeah. this one, I like, I've got like 20. I had to narrow it down from like 20 something songs. And I think it's going to, for me, like it's going to be a long record of 12 songs. Normally, like yeah. the last record I put out was like just over half an hour long, like, eight, like songs. eight songs. Yeah. Right? And like it was, I joked that it was like my Rain and Blood album, you know. Like I was like, just get in and out. But um, this one will probably be. That's a weird length too, because it's not quite an EP and it's not quite an LP. Yeah, so I mean, but when you think about it, it is an LP because like all those old minutes. records were all like yeah. thirty minutes. Yeah. You know, they were all because you could only get so little on. Mm -hmm. That's why those songs were all like two, three minutes long, and right. all radio also. But but, you know, if you look at the length of. Of like. Yeah, all like you know, all those old records, old Rolling Stones records, like Buddy Holly, all those you know before the kind of yeah. late '60s '70s thing rolled around and the double LPs, and they were all like sh super short. Yeah. You know, they might be ten songs, but all the songs are two minutes long. Yeah, you know? that's true. Because I think if you wanted it in high fidelity, it could only be thirty-four. Right, exactly the maximum. Yeah. So a lot of people were making. 30 28 right. minute long records you know and it's, it was normal you it's know it's weird though because that was the format and now it's like you can do anything you can do like with spotify basically being king it's like you can release singles for the rest of your life you can release like 40 song albums it doesn't matter you know? yeah you yeah you could it's a strange place to be in where you kind of have to navigate that there really aren't any limits to what an album has to be anymore which is actually kind of horrible because like yeah. it's the same way that like you know, the internet gave everybody a voice and what that's proved is most people don't shouldn't, need to be speaking. Don't need to be listened <laughs> to, you know, which we always knew, but but like I I think that um there's also something kind of beautiful in that because I, I I heard this interview, I think it was with Hayes Carl and he was talking on uh 
the Joe Pugs podcast about yeah. how the you know the good stuff generally will rise to the top, and I I, I think that's true. You yeah. know, I think that you know there's so much music out there, but also you know there's so much like we really like we we couldn't go out and re- make our own record and like on our own independently yeah and like yeah. release it and get distribution and get get you know maybe a a label to take it on but work out some kind of deal where you're not just getting completely destroyed on the you know royalties and not making any money and being in debt to them forever you can kind of yeah. pick and you're like all right show me your offer Oh, I think I can do this better. I'm, you know, yeah. like if you have the, you know, you have a publicist, you have distribution, you have that kind of stuff. You're like, you know what? You got an agent. I don't need you. You right. know, it's kind of, it's kind of like a. It does level the playing field for artists a little bit more. Yeah, there's not this like arbitrary kind of gate, and it's also I, Frank Zappa was saying this thing about how record companies and stuff were so much better when they were just run by like fat old guys because like they knew they didn't know shit. I've heard that. Yeah, it's like yeah. a quote I saw somewhere on, you know, someone posted, yeah. that I, you know, it's like they knew, so they were like, this Bob Dylan guy, like, he sounds horrible, but you know what, like. But everybody's going to see him. Yeah, or like, we'll take a chance, we'll give yeah. him a couple of records, you know, like the first record doesn't sell, we'll get, you know, whatever. The kids yeah. might like it, but now we got all these people who are like our age, you know, who like, yeah. they're like. First going, single didn't go, we're pulling them, yeah. Yeah, but also the people working at these, like, you know, you know they think they're suddenly tastemakers, you yeah. know, and they think they're suddenly like, oh, hip, you know, they think they're like hip young people and they yeah. might be hip young people but they don't know shit like nobody knows shit about what what's gonna take off or do well you know so right. these people are are just kind of i think that has a lot to do with how monochromatic music you know because because they have the heart of an advertiser you know they might yeah. dress like an artist or like a guy at the bar but they're they have the soul of an advertiser so they're only looking to sell advertising through music basically so they have you know they're not willing to take chances on people yeah you know which is you know it's whatever but i think it it was a funny it was a funny thing to think about yeah he he was like basically after the the fat guys started getting older they started hiring in these like young hippies that was the whole thing. right like the office freak and then suddenly the office freak is you know making them tons of money because he knows a little bit more and then all of a sudden yeah but that was one but they were you know like there was one guy at the office, you know, who like that's how like Sire Records signed all the signed all those awesome punk bands in New York. Yeah. In the seventies that you know, um, because the office freak was like, Hey man, you gotta sign the stu you know, you gotta check out these guys at Ramones, you gotta you know. Yeah. But uh now it's like everybody thinks that like they're that, you know, oh like I'm a cool office weirdo guy, but it's like, man, you know, you're just a plastic human, just, you know, you know, you know what yeah. I mean? It's kind of, you can't have, like, do you remember when, when Mentos had a, came out with the all strawberry Mentos? Yeah. And like, I thought it was going to be so, because, you know, when you eat Mentos, like, you always want the strawberry one. It's the yeah. best one. But when you have a whole Mentos of strawberries, it's actually, like, it's kind of shit, you know? Like, it's actually the perfect analogy. Yeah. It's like when you turn on the radio and all you're getting is strawberry Mentos. Yeah. You yeah. thought you liked the strawberry Mentos, but like, when you've damn, eaten, I just want a yellow one. Yeah, you got a, the contrast, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, like to think that it used to be, you know, you would turn on the radio and you'd have the Everly Brothers and then Jimi Hendrix and then Sly and the Family Stone, and then it's kind of like, well, that's quite the spectrum. Yeah. But now it's like, there's you know, like no separation. Yeah, Clear Channel owns it all, and I mean, I'm not complaining because I think it's, it's kind of cool that it's the Wild West, but it's just as, yeah, you know, people are wondering why it's harder to find music, and it's like, well. 
you know, you know, it's easier and harder. It's yeah. It's, right. It's also easier. You can go on the internet. Yeah. It's such a strange thing, you know? Um, and the other thing is that like people had so much more, I think like, um, connection with albums back then because you bought this $18 album. You're like, I'm going to listen to this damn thing, whether I like it or not. And you give it a chance. Yeah. Right now it's like 30 seconds of a song. Don't like it. Next song. Yeah. Playlist, whatever. Yeah. Like, I think it's kind of, yeah, it kind of, there's not that attachment to like having the physical product that you're like, I just spent 20 bucks on this. I'm going to make myself like this. There is a collective soul album that, uh, I accidentally bought through like one of those, uh, mail order services. Oh, like the Columbia. Columbia (laughs) I remember that when I was a kid and I didn't like collective soul, but I, by you know, by the time I paid twenty five dollars for this discipline <laughs> breakdown, I, I definitely liked it after a while. Oh, the record, like the it. one before that was a good one. I liked that. I liked Collective Soul when I was a kid. I don't know why. Yeah, it was oh. like my guilty pleasure back then. Yeah, they still are. I saw them. They came a few years ago. I went and saw them, but only because I listened to that record so many times. <laughs> I went and saw the Gin Blossoms. And I didn't even like that band at all. It's funny, you find these bands that you hated when you were a kid. I think, yeah, and then, like, you know, you're, like, the nostalgia, nostalgia's yeah. evil. But, uh, yeah, I got thrown out, like, five minutes after after they started for getting in a fight with someone. <laughs> they just got kicked right out. But they played, they started with Follow Me, Follow You Down, which is my favorite song by oh, them. Yeah. Anyway, so I was like, oh, I saw my song. That's well, all I needed to see. Yeah. <laughs> This is taking an odd turn. Yeah, I turned to <laughs> 90s music. But um, so for you, you said you have 20 songs for the uh, the record. Do you have a process of writing or is it just when the muse comes? I try to write every day. Yeah. You know, and I try to write at least write things down every day. You know, like little things, that, you know, again, one of the great things you have an iPhone. Right. You know, anytime you come up with a melody, anytime you come up with a. You know, you hear a little interesting snippet of conversation or someone says something to you or just something kind of beams into your head out the ether. You just sing it into your phone or you write it into the little notepad. And it's, yeah. it's great, man. Like it's, you know, you hear these stories about people who have boxes of little scraps of paper and we have it all on our phone. You know, yeah. for me, if I'm working on a song and I'm stuck, I'll just scroll through the 800 little notes and the, maybe something will fit the yeah. rhyme scheme or the meter or the, you know, or and then, you know. Or you just, you know, sitting there and with a blank page and you find a line, you know, jump off from a line that you, you know, in your little phone, you know. It's, so I think that, I think it's important to have a, for me, to have some kind of writing discipline, you yeah. know, to, to kind of sit down and and write, you know, because then, you know, 90% of the time you're not really getting anything done, but, but you're making yourself like a, like a really good landing place for songs you know for a song to land and you know you're like opening your channel up yeah absolutely and then not only that but you're like you're in like good shape mentally to be able to like wrangle and with that song and you know kind of um you know understand it's like learning the language of songs you know yeah yeah so pretty much every day you yeah not every day on the road but I, i do get a decent amount written on the road but but uh but uh yeah pretty much every day most every day how do you do that on the road because i've never been able to write on the road um it really only happens when i'm not staying at hotels because when i when i'm staying at hotels which is most of the time now i uh man like i just 
too tired. By the time, you know, you've driven all day, you played the show, settled up, found the Motel 6, yeah. gone in, done the wrangling. And you're just like, man, I don't even want to bring my guitar. And I just want to go, like, sit in the bed, maybe eat a burrito in bed naked and watch some weird late-night television yeah. and just, you know. But, uh, like, if I'm staying at friends' houses, you know, or I have an off day, I'll just, you know. But, again, you're writing in your phone all the time, right? Yeah. So, like, you're letting that stuff roll around in your head. Yeah. Know, so you're not, you know. Because, you know, driving is... is monotonous monotonous but you kind of get in this thing and then these like weird phrases come in your head or you know like you just it's like you go into like almost a trance and then yeah yeah like when you you're tired of the music you're tired of the podcast you just like kind of turn off the yeah radio and then all of a sudden you start creating yeah been there before yeah i think yeah exactly Or, or even you know you're listening to a podcast or you're you know and you're like wow that's a that's a crazy fucking story. That'd make a great song. Or you yeah. hear a line in the, you know, someone like an interview in the podcast. Like I never really listen to music on the road. Like it's usually either nothing or podcasts and, you know. Exclusively Americana Station. Yeah. yeah the only, only one only over and over. Show, yeah. yeah. I didn't even know. <laughs> I thought that was podcast. <laughs> the Joe Pug one is really good. I listened to that one and. Walking yeah. the Floor with Chris Shiflett. Have you heard that No, one? I haven't. Um, it's the guy from the Foo Fighters, um, but he has like an Americana-ish. Like, no kidding. Like Andrew Leahy's been on it. Huh. Wall, a bunch of like really cool people. All right. I'll check that out. That's a good one. Have you listened to the Cocaine and Rhinestones? Yes. That's that far great. out. That's I think that's maybe like the best podcast, best put together podcast on music I've ever heard. You know, I think it's just like, man, that guy knows... Stuff. Yeah, and he's yeah. like really loves music. You know, you can tell he's like he's all about it. You know, Jeremy actually uh, is the one that told me about it because there's an oh, episode man. about Doug Kershaw. Yeah, that's just crazy. You hear about crazy stories about those guys, those brothers, huh? The Kershaws and like all the you know putting cats in blenders and all kind of weird shit. You know, I haven't heard that story. I need to hear that. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're odd characters, huh? So, uh, do you have a, a, a like timeline for releasing the new record? Or? No, um, you know, the new one only came out like well, well, now it's last year and it's 2019 now, but uh, yeah, like eight, eight, nine months ago, right? So I kind of um, gonna see if we're gonna. Just gonna see what see what we can do. That's gonna give it the best chance of, of you know, being out there and, um, you know, whether it's working on with releasing it on our our label or yeah. working with someone else or just gonna try to, you know, and not try to rush into anything. Is Flower Sack Cape? Yeah, Flower Sack Cape. Is that a Guy Clark? Yeah, it's from a, yeah, yeah, it's a Guy Clark reference. That's great. Yeah, I a, thought so, but I wasn't sure. I never... Yeah, I I actually didn't come up with the name. It's it's Joe Lekas, who is the guy who co-produced and engineered my uh, my last two records, and and Ben Douglas actually. They yeah. they was like you know Ben Douglas, he's a great songwriter. And yeah, they uh they came up with that kind of thing together, and then we all just kind of you know uh, pitched in and. You know, got stuff going and it's just a little thing for you know it's fun 
it's not fun, but it's you know. <laughs> it's work. But yeah, it, yeah, I'm sure it, it helps a lot to kind of have like a collective of people. Yeah, you know, it does help, and it's it's nice to kind of, you know, have a yeah, like a little family, you know, yeah. of people. And oh, we breezed over um, Blackbird Studios. You said you got to do some stuff. Yeah, at Blackbird. Um, is that like live video stuff? Or yeah, that? there's this like Brazilian documentary company who came to town and um, they were just, they picked, I guess, a handful of Nashville people and um, basically had us all come in for a day and, and just play five songs and they recorded and do live and do video too. And, you know, I thought like, you know, get to go and record in Blackbird for free and, yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, that's great. Is yeah. there a place that it'll be released? It'll or? be out on on YouTube. Okay. I think they're releasing it through the year, so they're kind of doing one video okay. a month or one video a week from all the people. But it's called Mini Docs. Um. And uh. And it'll be on bendelacore.com. Is that your website? Yeah, bendelacore.com is my. Yeah. I probably won't um put them on my website, but I'll just maybe I will. See, you know, or at least on your social media. Yeah, it'll be on that, or, or just you know, if you if you put my name into YouTube, it'll come up when they're when they're out. Awesome. Yeah. Um. I think that was pretty much most of the stuff I wanted to talk about. Is there anything else on the horizon that you want? So in February you're recording. Yeah, and then just kind of staying out on the road and trying to balance that with. You know, my wife and I, we've got a little daughter now, and so it's kind of like, you know, um, it makes it harder being out 100 days a year on the road, you know, definitely. Yeah. But it also kind of, at the same time, makes you more focused, you know, because you're like, yeah, this is like, I don't have the wiggle room I used to, you know, to like be partying out on the road and yeah. getting in trouble and doing stupid stuff it's like no now i gotta you know now i'm you know this is i mean it's not all work but it's if you approach it like work well um so you're gonna play a song for us can you tell me about the song yeah this is a song called a uh, company town um this is kind of another one that i just driving around you know you, you you know you play a lot of uh you know quote-unquote tertiary markets you know yeah. which is um, so you see some really interesting places, which, which is great, you know, because like, you know, what are you going to do in Boston when you have one night, but yeah. like, you know, Mansfield, Ohio, you can see what they got, you know, in a <laughs> night, you know, like, cause you know, um, so you, you know, you, uh, I don't know, you get to kind of see a lot of, a lot of the country that you might not be exposed to otherwise you know and and you kind of try to you know erase that concept of the other for people who are not like you and try to empathize you yeah. know and try to um you know just without moralizing or trying to be universal or trying to do anything like that but just kind of write it from a very specific character driven way what it, you know what you imagine these people are dealing with in a way that's not kind of making a cartoonish and not making it a like a yeah like a moral thing or or even really blaming right people um 
you know, I think that's kind of the job of any kind of writer, songwriter, novel writer, you know, you kind of, you know, filmmaker, any, you know, you kind of try to humanize, yeah. you know, because even if you, if you read a, you know, biography of Stalin, that's well written, you can kind of almost be like, almost sympathize with him in a way, yeah. you know, even though he's a monster, because then you know, that's a well written, right. Art, you know, article or biography because it kind of shows that everybody has, you know, I think it's your job to find the human side of things, yeah. you know, and it's easy to dehumanize other people and yourself. But I think that that's easy, man. You know, it's like if we were into doing easy stuff, we wouldn't be fucking songwriters. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, here's uh, Company Town. Thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, thank you all. This old town's been flatlined now for close on 30 years And last to see it coming were the folks who live round here The creek caught fire again last week The farms have all shut down It's gonna be another hard winter in this company Some went under slowly Waiting on the weather to change Some like Uncle Charlie Found they couldn't take the strain Pulled up to the bank one Sunday morning In the pouring rain Scrawled, I'm sorry, I'm a Wendy's bag And put a bullet in his brain in a company town in a company town we're all living in a company town in a company sinkhole past the cornfields that sucks the good ones in man I know it's there cause when folks leave we never see them round here again now it's hollow eyed and coyote faced strangers at the gates driving brand new pickup trucks without a state license plate we're scratching out a living trying to stay above the ground 
But you work with what you're given in a company town. In a company town. In a company town. We're all living in a company town. In a company town. In a company town. Yonder on the highway in some old hand-me-down suit Walks a dream ground to dust beneath the heel of a rich man's boot Money bought the farms, money bought the meth but it won't bring back the good old days or take that bullet out of Charlie's head. In a company town, in a company town, we're all living in a company town. In a company town, in a company town. Never figure out where home ends and the whole wide world begins. Face press up against the window, looking in. Me, I like sitting in the light, watching Uncle Boudreaux sing his way to Texas every. Thanks, Ben, so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate having you. Uh, make sure you go to bendelacour.com, purchase the high cost of living strange. It's a very low cost to, to buy the high cost of living strange, so make sure you do that. Uh, you can follow them on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, all those normal platforms. Make sure you do the same for me and uh, Americana Station. You can uh, Google Americana Station and find us on Facebook as well as Instagram and occasionally Twitter. Uh, I'm not really a strong Twitterer. Um, and thank you so much for all the five-star reviews that you've left. Uh, we appreciate it. That's one of the best ways to get more word out about the podcast. So please, if you haven't left a review and, uh, and, and rated the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would do that. Um, 
share this podcast with someone that you know likes podcasts and likes Americana and Roots music. Um, tell them face to face. Uh, get them to follow it on their uh, phone while you're hanging out. Hey, have you heard Americana Station podcast? You need to check it out. I really would appreciate that. Um, and uh, make sure that you uh, look for the Indiegogo campaign for my new album, Living with Ghosts, that's coming out. Um, probably by the time you're listening to this, we're in the studio, so you can probably find some uh, information on that. Thanks again so much, and we'll see you next episode with Eric Bolander.